Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Jones Podcast, where we show off our enthusiasm and, well, Jones for fantasy sports to help you win your league. Now let's Jones some fantasy. Win big in 2021 with Rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season-long and DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit includes rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off on any Premium Pass. Use the promo code FRA, F-R-A for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome to the Fantasy Jones. I'm Carlos Marion, and I'm here with Frank Amarante, our fantasy insider. Frank, how's your night going? Feeling good, feeling great. Uh, getting a flurry of news, so many updates, so many new things to change in the ranks. So it'll be exciting to go through some of the uh, impact the impact of all these all this news, like injuries, uh, starters being announced. Can't wait to get right into it. Yeah, with only a few weeks away from the start of the season, all of these, all this news is hitting us at once, it seems. And we'll start off with that Travis Etienne fallout, Frank. The rookie running back from the Jaguars got a Liz Frank injury and now he's out for the season. The running backs, yeah, that running back situation looks really mucky now, but James Robinson looks like a great value right now. Yeah, first of all, you got it sucks to see a TN injured. He's a dynamic player. We were all looking forward to watch him do work. But what this means is it's back to being James Robinson's backfield. I thought that Robinson, after really thinking about it and going through how the uh, training camp reports have come out, I thought Robinson was going to start off the year as the lead back anyway. And then maybe a 10 takes over slowly or just is the pass catching specialist. But now with Etienne out for the season, James Robinson, it's wheels up for him. He looks like a top 15 back. I know last year he finished as running back five in PPR points per game. We're not going to be that optimistic on him because he's not going to get that 90% snap share that he had last year. We'll still see some usage at a Carlos Hyde just because, you know, Hyde was handpicked by the coaching staff by head coach Urban Meyer because he coached him at Ohio State. So he clearly likes this veteran and he'll give him some work, but James Robinson is going to have the lead role. He'll have red zone carries. He'll catch some passes because Carlos Hyde really isn't much of a pass catcher. And you got to love the way uh, the Jaguars upgraded their offense, of course, with Trevor Lawrence and with Marvin Jones and with the new coaching staff. So Robinson looks like a high end running back too. That looks could be a solid pick in the third round now. Yeah. With the Urban Meyer offense, do you feel that the Jags are good enough to have Robinson as a matchup RB2, matchup proof RB2? Well, I mean, it was interesting because usually like last year, their offense was terrible. And usually in that case, the running back is far from matchup proof just because of how bad the offense was. But they just force fed him the ball. They gave him check downs even when they're getting blown out. They really fed him. And obviously, that's a different coaching staff. It's different this time around. But 
I mean, he. I don't think, no, he won't be as matchup proof as he was last year just because they force fed him the ball. But he'll have better game scripts playing in a better offense with Trevor Lawrence. And, hey, I know he's undrafted and everyone liked the shiny new toy in Etienne and started to forget about Robinson. But he's a pretty good back. You know, he, he breaks tackles. He has good vision. He could catch passes. So not to say that he'll be matchup proof, but or, or, or he'll have some dependency on game script, but you got to like the fact that he'll catch some passes. So he looks pretty safe as an RB2. He, he should get 18 touches per game. So I like him going forward. All right. Now, does this, does this affect their pass catchers? Like, what does this mean with their wide receivers now? I love that you asked that because it just, it's like a layup pass for me. Exactly what I wanted to say. This news is huge for none other than second-year wide receiver LaVisca Chenault. Chenault was already highly touted because he's elusive. He's, an, he's phenomenal at breaking tackles, and he can really rack up those short to intermediate receptions. Well, now, Travis Yaten, he's a great pass catcher, and the way it looked like, it looked like they really wanted to use him in that role with James Robinson running between the tackles. So now that Etienne is out for the season, Chenault, can soak up those targets that would have went to a 10. Chanel can really make an impact in the screen game. And he's a hybrid player. He's a Swiss army knife. Maybe he lines up in the backfield sometimes. Maybe he gets some carries like we see with Debo Samuel in San Francisco. So this is a player I really love. He showed some potential as a rookie. Uh, DJ Chark has missed uh, the entire preseason. Who knows if he'll be at full capacity in week one. And I like Marvin Jones. He's solid. But I think LaVisca Chenault is going to lead this team in targets. And I've bumped him to my top 30 in wide receivers. I, I really like him as a mid-range, mid uh, mid-round sleeper in your draft. That's good to hear. And we'll look into the, those rankings a little bit later into the show. First, I wanted to get with another running back situation. The Los Angeles Rams just traded for the first former first-round pick from 2018, Sony Michelle, for a conditional fifth- and sixth-round pick to the Patriots. Now, Frank, there's been all this talk about Daryl Henderson this year, especially with the Cam Akers injury. What does this move say to you? Well, I woke up to this news. In fact, you messaged me showing it. You were the first one showing it to me. And my first reaction was, you know, well, Daryl Henderson banged, he was banged up. He injured his thumb. They don't have much running back depth with Xavier Jones and, and with Jake Funk. Uh, so they needed some help there. But then reading over the Twitter, soaking up some info, some good tweets out there, uh, really seeing that, hey, Adam Schefter went on serious and he's like, he was talking up Sony Michelle. He basically saying that, uh, Michelle has a chance to be the lead back in LA. And then I thought about it and think, thinking it through, like the Rams traded two picks to get him. They could have waited if they wanted just veteran depth. They could have just waited until after roster cuts. I'm sure there would have been some vet running back available that they could have just signed without surrendering a pick. So it's clear that they have some kind of interest in Sony Michelle. Another thing to, uh, to mention is that Patriots beat writer for the athletic Jeff Howe earlier this offseason was saying how Michelle was having the best training camp of his career and looked as healthy as he's ever been. So 
Michelle can definitely play a role. It's clear that the Rams don't fully trust Daryl Henderson in a bell cow role like they did with Cam Akers. We already knew that, though, which is why Henderson was going in the fourth round rather than where Akers was going in the first or second. But now I have to bump Henderson down. Michelle's going to play a role. It will be a 1A, 1B situation. But, you know, Henderson, his durability concerns, the fact that his team just traded for a running back, I really bumped him down significantly. He's now just behind Raheem Mostert and just ahead of Damian Harris. I was even thinking of putting Damian Harris ahead of him. So I thought better of my original reaction. And this is a, this is a bad, this is bad news for Daryl Henderson. Yeah. For me, it really just opens up what McVay and the Rams had actually thought with Henderson. We talked on another episode where we talked about how he had a decent year and then they drafted a running back really early. So it, it kind of showed you then what they felt, but now with, you know, they, they wanted to wrap him up in bubble wrap for the entire preseason and he still got injured. And I think they were just frustrated and said, you know what, we can't, we can't go into the season believing that we're going to be fine with just him and to get Sony Michelle to take a chance on these guys that are buried in, deep depth charts it's not like new england has bad running backs they have great backs available so let's see what happens with sony michelle not saying it's a for sure because again it's just conditional late round picks but you never know what's going to happen and if he could very well be cut or even injured for the rest of the year it just it's something to note about what they think about daryl henderson like you said now we'll go to some quarterbacks Jameis Winston is completely shredding it in preseason. We heard all the talk about Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston back and forth all offseason. And now we're seeing it come to fruition where, hey, Jameis Winston may be the starter. Frank, what is going on with the Saints? Well, you have to read between the tea leaves here. Jameis Winston clearly looks like the better quarterback. I mean, we all thought he was. We just thought we just thought Sean Payton might be stubborn and go back to his his boy for whatever reason that he loves Taysom Hill so much. But it's good to see Jameis Winston looking good. You know, he's he's under a bright offensive mind in Payton. You got to think he'll tone it down a bit and not turn it over as much. I think we have to proceed uh, with the idea that Jameis Winston is going to be their week one starter, which is great news for all of the supporting pieces. Like for Alvin Kamara, it's great because Winston's a better passer. He'll check it down to Kamara more than Hillwood. Uh, it's also great for my boy. I touted him right from the beginning, right when Michael Thomas got hurt and everyone was talking about Traquan Smith. I'm saying, no, no, no. You need to look at Marquez Calloway because Calloway has a similar profile to Thomas and fits more nicely in that role and Callaway is looking great look at that last preseason game caught 100 yards um, finished with 100 yards and two touchdowns and with Winston who led the NFL in average target depth in 2019 who loves to sling it deep this is great news for Callaway who now just skyrockets into my top 50 of wide receivers he's going to be the wide receiver one in New Orleans until Michael Thomas returns and you know there's not a lot of uh, target competition there aside from Alvin Kamara Traquan Smith's just a deep threat Adam Trotman blocks a lot he's not going to get too many targets so you know Kamara will lead in targets but on the perimeter it's going to be Callaway so 
if your league hasn't really caught up, maybe in your format, the ADP hasn't caught up with uh, how Marcus Callaway's stock has risen, you can definitely get him at a cheaper price than what his actual value is right now. So keep an eye out for that in your drafts and target Marcus Callaway. Yeah, Callaway is looking fantastic. He's making some great catches, and it's clear that James Winston has found him as a favorite target. Now, on to another team who has officially named their starting quarterback. The Broncos have named their starting QB, and it's Teddy Bridgewater. It's not Drew Locke. Now, Drew Locke had a one-to-one TD interception ratio last year. It wasn't too great, but he is younger. What does this say to you now, Frank, that they're going to go with Teddy Bridgewater? So from a real-life standpoint, you know, Vic Fangio, defensive-minded coach, he wants the quarterback who could protect the football, and that's what Teddy Bridgewater is. The Broncos' defense is going to be elite, so Bridgewater fits more with what they want to do as a team. And I know some people on Twitter are saying, like, what, what are the Broncos doing? Go with the young guy and lock, see what you have. But, hey, there's a human element here. Vic Fangio wants to keep his job. He wants to win football games. And Bridgewater is the safer pick and is like, is he's the better choice to help them win football games just because he could protect the ball. Last year, he performed pretty well until he had an injury in week 12, which he admits himself really hurt his play down the stretch. And, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, he helped uh, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel finish all in the top 30 in PPR points per game. So he's an accurate passer. The one who helped, he helps the most is none other than my boy, one of my favorite targets this year, Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is a phenomenal route runner. He graded highly in Matt Harmon's reception perception, which grades out receivers in their success rate against man coverage. So he could beat man coverage and, and get open at will. He had some drop issues, but that's correctable. And that I prefer to, I, I highlight the fact that he can get open more than the negative and that he can, that he had drop issues. Also, you know, he had a lot of uncatchable targets because Drew Locke is inaccurate. Teddy Bridgewater is accurate. He's going to feed Jerry Judy in those shorter to intermediate routes. So he gets a huge bump. We got to downgrade Cortland Sutton with this move just because, you know, Sutton fits better with Locke. Locke loves to uh, sling it downfield, throw it to the wide receiver, even if he's not open. And Cortland Sutton is very good at contested catches. So he's a better fit with Locke. So we got to bump him down a bit which I need to correct here in, in our rankings and bump them further. Right now I have him at wide receiver 36, but I need to bump him lower than that. Uh, but for this offense as a whole, you know, it, it's a safer pick with Bridgewater. Uh, and it, I think it's, it's good. You know, Locke, I talked about how he has some upside. He showed some flashes last year, finishing it uh, in the top 12 in three games in fantasy quarterbacks. But Bridgewater is a safer pick and you need to really prioritize Jerry Judy in your drafts. Before you, we move on what out of Jameis and Teddy, I see that you, you have Jameis ahead of Teddy Bridgewater in the rankings. Now, who do you think has the higher ceiling of the two? I think uh, Winston, the reason why I have Winston higher is because I have, I think he has the higher ceiling, even though new Orleans has inferior weapons to Denver. Denver's weapons are phenomenal. 
we've seen Winston finish in what in 2019 in the top five, and he's playing for Sean Payton, who can bring out the best and and make uh, he can really uh, have a better offense than what it looks on paper. So and plus, if Michael Thomas comes back and Callaway breaks out, then that's some decent weapons, you know, with Thomas, Kamara, and Callaway. So I, I ranked Winston ahead of Bridgewater just because I think he has the higher upside. But Bridgewater is safer because he's in an offense with much more talent surrounding him. I mean, imagine if Aaron Rodgers had actually gone there, he'd be to the moon because that offense has so much talent, like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. KJ Hamler, it's awesome. So despite that, I put Winston just because of the higher ceiling. I like that. I also agree with that because Bridgewater, I feel like we've seen him so many times. Yeah. You know, Winston, we've seen him, like you've mentioned, go for, you know, so many yards. And sure, there's been a lot of interceptions, but like you said, he risks it. And let's see, with another opportunity, Maybe he's someone that can, I don't know, get himself into a really big contract. Yeah. Right. For sure. This is his moment. This is his chance to shine. Yeah. Now, speaking about time to shine, this week in New England, Cam Newton got himself into a little bit of a misunderstanding with the team. Something about uh, he tried to take a COVID test outside of the New England area. And now... He is not practicing for the week. And who's taking over the reps? Mac Jones. And what's he doing with them? Looking fantastic. Frank, is Mac Jones starting week one? Well, you know, the tables have turned. I mean, earlier in the offseason, I was convinced it was going to be Cam Newton. Then we saw reports of how Mac Jones is really showing that he's NFL ready and he's making this a quarterback competition. Then we saw in the preseason, Mac Jones looked solid. He looked like a seasoned vet. He's looked like he's been there before. And now he has a wide open opportunity with Cam Newton out for a week. You'll see him get tons of action in this third preseason game. I saw reports today. Mac Jones absolutely ripped it up in practice, in a joint practice, that is, against the New York Giants. So you know what? Like The signs are starting to point towards Mac Jones starting in week one. I think the you got to think the Patriots are upset a bit with Cam Newton and, you know, and they use the first rounder on Mac Jones. This is his time. If he looks good, why not start him? And if he does start, that's good news for Damian Harris because Damian Harris won't have Cam Newton stealing touchdowns. And it's even better news for one of my favorite mid to late round targets, a player who is shooting up in ADP just like Marcus Calloway. None other than Jacoby Myers. Myers can get open. He's got great separation skills. Last year, he, won, he was among the leaders in uh, yards per route run. And the names on that list was like Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey. So that's some elite company. Last year was basically his first full season. He commanded over like a 20% target share, which means that he got open and quarterbacks wanted to look for him. I think he's the clear-cut number one receiver on this New England team. So right now, I bumped Myers all the way to wide receiver 46. If Mac Jones starts, he's going to really fly up my list. I'll really like him even more. Uh, one of my favorite targets this year. But to answer the question, I'm going to go out. I'm going to agree with you. I think Mac Jones now will start week one. 
Yeah, he he always had the lookings of a a Belichick type quarterback, and we're gonna get to see it. I, I honestly believe they'll just throw him into the fire right away because again, we've mentioned it before. Cam with these guys, like we know what they look like. They are bridge quarterbacks. They are now in that part of their career where they are just there to help motivate the the young guy to, you know, given given the uh, the young guy a goal to beat. You know, here's Cam Newton, beat Cam Newton. That's all it ends up becoming. So it's going to be interesting. Jacoby Myers really like him with Mac Jones because he again possession receiver. He can get those like intermediate routes. Exactly. He's looking good. Frank, another week has passed, which means your mind has changed, of course. Of course. So the rankings have, of course, changed. Frank, who are the biggest movers this week in your rankings? We'll, we'll start with the quarterbacks. There wasn't, I mean, we got into some of the big movers like Teddy Bridgewater, like Jameis Winston. A big faller goes with what we said. I, like I was pretty into cam newton if he started just because his running ability but it looks like he's not going to start so he's a big faller i'm starting to really like jalen hurts again you know because of his rushing ability and Devonte smith looks pretty good so he's now quarterback seven he i bumped him over dak prescott because i realized like i've been talking how much i'm low on dak prescott because of his injury concerns and the fact that he might not be at his top form this year. So I had to uh, acknowledge that in the rankings. I bumped him down from quarterback six to eight. I also bumped Justin Fields up. He's right behind Trey Lance. He's now quarterback 15. Fields has showed that he's really willing to take off and run in this preseason, which is great to see. I know they're going to start Andy Dalton week one, but doesn't this remind you a little bit of like when the Texans started what was that guy's name? Tom Savage or something like that in week one. And then yeah, Sean Watson came in like in the second half or, and then started week two. That's what it kind of is starting to feel like for me, obviously Dalton's better than Savage, but just to the similar comparison of a guy who's just a placeholder, who's just, I feel like they're just going to start him just as to keep a promise to him that they did. And, you know, like that they promised that he would start. Um, and can you really see Andy Dalton doing well in week one at LA against that nasty Rams defense, Aaron Donald? No, I can't. All it takes is him to really perform, uh, mediocrely in that game. And then week two fields will start. I'm almost really close to putting fields over Lance, even though I like Lance's upside with Kyle Shanahan more than fields with the bears. It's just that. I saw this tweet, you know, uh, they asked Kyle Shanahan who's starting week one. And he's like, they kind of laughed about it. Jimmy Garoppolo laughed and smiled. Like you'll see, it feels like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start week one. I think Trey Lance will start by week four. I had that bet with my guy, Josh Hayes on Rotoballer radio. Uh, but Fields looks like he's going to start before Lance and Fields has a ton of upside too. So I might make the switch there right now. I have Lance quarterback 14 and fields 15 but we might flip them pretty soon so that's my biggest mover and uh we'll we'll have to see it'll be interesting hopefully these rookies play sooner rather than later who wants to see bridge quarterbacks that is boring yeah bridge quarterbacks are really just well we just have to see andy dalton's preseason and we know what bridge quarterbacks are like 
Now, Frank, quick thing about Tom Savage. I was just looking up. He was benched at halftime after completing seven of 13 passes for 62 yards, sacked six times and fumbled twice, including one that was returned for a touchdown. My goodness. Yeah, anyway. What was even the point there? Like, it's just a waste of time. Anyways. Well, it's Bill O'Brien. What do you expect? Yeah. Frank, <laughs> let's see what what's going on with the running backs. So with the running backs, you know, we talked up James Robinson. He's by far the biggest mover. And we talked about Daryl Anderson, who's definitely the biggest faller. Uh, I could, we also talked about Sonny Michelle, who's now my RB40, which, because he's a, he's a good late round dart throw now. I'd rather not pay the price on Henderson and just take a chance on Michelle because it's much less risk at such a cheap price. But we'll talk about some others. You know, Philip Lindsay's been bumped ahead of David Johnson because it looks like Lindsay's going to be the lead back for the Texans. Um, I do like A.J. Dillon. I have him at RB34 just because his upside is so high if Aaron Jones misses time. And A.J. Dillon will still get carries, so he has a bit of standalone value there. I like him. Uh, Raheem Mostert is now in RB25. I like him just because we talked ad nauseum about how rookie running backs especially those who are not drafted in the first round how they get eased in we saw jonathan taylor uh deandre swift antonio gibson etc last year get eased in i expect the same for trey sermon and raheem Mostert is going to run all over the lions in week one they have an easy schedule even in the early going so he gets bumped up for sure another guy who definitely gets a significant downgrade is jets rookie michael carter you know, he's likely to be a situational back at best. There's uh, Tevin Coleman there. There's Ty Johnson who's being talked up. That's going to be a committee. You don't want any part of that backfield, in my opinion. So Michael Carter gets a big downgrade there. And then one more who was not on this list before, going back to that Patriots backfield, it's Ramondre Stevenson. He's looked fantastic in preseason. A spot's been opened up with Sony Michelle gone. So now he's a nice uh, uh, lottery ticket to roster in the event that Damian Harris misses time. You likely see Stevenson take on the lead role. So he joins the list. Yeah, that trade really opened up a lot more dart throws because like you said, when you look at the players around, um, around Sony Michelle, there's nobody there that, you know, to write home about you're taking backups, you take like Dev Devin Singletary's right underneath him. It's not something that is really enticing. So that's like a, a nice dart throw. And Frank, what's going on with the wide receivers? Anything specific? Do I feel like a Jaguar is about to be mentioned? Yes. Yeah, so we'll start off with who we said earlier, LaVisca Chanel. Massive upgrade. He's now my wide receiver 29 because, like we said, I think he'll take more screen passes, more of those targets that would have went to a 10. And, hey, maybe even some carries. I really think he's a strong bet to lead the Jaguars in targets so he's at wide receiver 29 i bumped up my boy will fuller back to wide receiver 28 this guy was going off last year whenever he's healthy he makes an impact and right now he's returned to practice so i had to bump him up again uh slight downgrade to jamar chase he's struggling with drops you know this is a player who didn't even play last year so he's a rookie who's gonna have that learning curve as a rookie and just from the fact that he's had a long layoff so we have to bump him down but he does have upside it's just that his price has been too high for me although it is coming down lately 
T. Higgins is now clearly ahead of Jamar Chase in ADP. Another player who gets a big upgrade, we already mentioned Jacoby Myers and Marcus Calloway. They do. But also Corey Davis. He is going off in preseason. Zach Wilson is just feeding him with targets. And I mentioned how Jacoby Myers was among league leaders in yards per route run. So is Corey Davis. And like I said, that was among the likes of Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and Travis Kelsey. Elite company. He's a clear wide receiver one in New York, especially with Elijah Moore on the mend. And, you know, I got him at wide receiver 33. His ADP is really rising. A faller is Cortland Sutton just because Drew Locke's not starting and that doesn't align with his skill set. I want to name another one who I really liked, but I had to bump him down. I think I thought to myself and I'm like, DJ Moore, even though he has that amazing early career production in terms of yardage, from a fantasy standpoint, you know, he's not getting enough catches. He didn't get enough catches last year. And what's concerning to me are two things. One, Terrace Marshall, the rookie, looks great. So that's another player to take away targets from Moore. Christian McCaffrey's obviously back. That's another player to take away targets from Moore. Sorry, it's three things. The third thing is that they just signed Robbie Anderson to an extension, and DJ Moore is coming up for an extension. So Robbie Anderson, recall, he played with Sam Darnold with the Jets. There's some rapport already established there. So what I look at it as perhaps DJ Moore is the one who's going to be on the way out. The fact that they used a premium pick on Marshall, the fact that they paid Robbie Anderson. I mean, how much money can you really put into the wide receiver position? So for that reason, I bumped DJ Moore down to around wide receiver 18. He's a wide receiver too. I can't justify having him over Terry McLaurin or even Deontay Johnson. It's just, it's a, crowded room and he's not a target hog really even though he did down the stretch like i mentioned in a previous episode it's just that he's been used as the deep threat so i couldn't justify leaving him uh, where he was i'm going to name two more donovan peoples jones is one of everyone's favorite sleepers on the browns he's a great deep threat he's showing out in camp he's a nice late round dart throw especially if your league is deep in a more shallow league you can leave him on the wire and just monitor his progress Another player like that, more suited for deep leagues, is KJ Hamler of the Broncos. He's got amazing speed out of the slot, and he's definitely a late-round dart throw. So that's just the way the wide receiver position has shaken out for me here. Yeah, the DJ Moore one stands out to me because, like you said, it's a situation where Robbie Anderson is going to be playing with a quarterback he's already he already played with before, and DJ Moore, you're relying on a Carolina offense that, again, new QB, it's nothing exciting about Sam Darnold in the past few years. So it, will he be able to maintain three fantasy-relevant wide receivers while his running back is the best in the league and needs as many touches as possible, right? So it's another – it's a risk there with DJ Moore. Now, Frank – what is going on with the tight ends now? So the tight ends, uh, there's less changes there, although I'm, I, I've uh, really started to lose faith in Dallas Goddard, and that's just because, you know, Zach Ertz is much better than what everyone thinks. Everyone sort of thought that he would either 
get cut or traded or that he's kind of washed and he's really not. He's only one year removed from a good season. He looks healthy. He's getting a ton of targets. So I used to have Goddard at eight right next to Noah Fant, but now I have him at 10 and maybe he's even going to drop from there. We'll see just because there's two tight ends there. It's tough to have two fantasy relevant tight ends that caps Goddard's upside. The other one who I used to hate, but now I like, and that's Logan Thomas on Washington. You know, they, um, he was used, he runs a ton of routes as a tight end. He doesn't even, he's not even asked to block a lot. Curtis Samuel hasn't practiced all off season. He'll likely get off to a slow start. So that leaves Thomas as the clear number two with an improvement at quarterback with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like we said, you're not going to have Alex Smith just feeding his running back and uh, with targets and JD McKissick. So Thomas looks like a good bet for the, uh, to finish second on the team in targets. So he goes to tight end eight. Uh, looking down the list, I've started to like Anthony Ferkser more just because all there is, there's A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, which, who are amazing, but obviously they're going to soak up a ton of targets, but that's going to leave so much room over the middle for Anthony Ferkser, and he becomes a nice sleeper. You know, that's going to be a really good offense. He'll have opportunities for touchdowns. I mean, think about this. Look at the red zone. They'll have Derrick Henry, the threat of him running it in, the threat of Julio or A.J. Brown catching a fade or a slant in the red zone, or even the threat of Ryan Tannehill running it in. He ran for seven touchdowns last year. So that leaves Ferkser. He'll be like the afterthought. You could see him get uh, a few touchdowns there. there. And last year, he played a role even with John o. Smith in town. Now John o. Smith's gone. So Ferkser looks like a nice sleeper there. One guy who gets a big downgrade, another one is Adam Trotman of the Saints because uh, they're using him really a lot as a blocker. And there's some guy named Javon Johnson who's emerged. He's athletic and he's a receiving tight end. So I don't want any part of Trotman there. So that's just the way the tight ends shake out. Also, one more I'm going to add. I love TJ Hawkinson, but the more I thought about it, the more I had to put Kyle Pitts over him. And that's just because Pitts is a like he's explosive and he's going to be the number two option in the pass heavy offense. I think he has a bit more upside than Hawkinson does, even though he has much more risk. Hawkinson is safer for sure. It just, I had to go with Pitts over him. Pitts now moves up to tight end five. That's interesting. The Zach Ertz thing with Zach Ertz, he's actually the third most targeted tight and well receiver in training camp right now so it's that's something to look at when you're seeing dallas goddard and his price you know zach Ertz is still around he's still i think personally like he's going to be playing now like the whole year i think that's it that's but yeah Yeah. there's there's not much movement with these tight ends there's uh There wasn't as much uh, big news, but like you said with Zach Ertz, you know, you want to keep Jalen Hurts comfortable there. At this point, we have to assume he'll be an Eagle for the entire season. And I'm not like a lot of people who are sort of thinking the Eagles are going to be one of the worst teams in football. I really don't think that. I think, I think they're, they're going to finish ahead of the Giants at least and finish third in this division. I was originally a little bit higher on the Giants, but that offensive line is a joke. And Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. So that's really a recipe for disaster. So I think the Giants are the worst team in the division. Yeah, for sure. That's that's something that I think we, 
because of their fan base, we see it a lot more because they're out there. You know, we all know what happened last year with the Eagles and Giants. And me as an Eagles fan, all I saw was the Giants on my Twitter, you know, losing it, crying because how could you have done this to a division rival? How dare you? And it's it's one of those things that we just we just sit around and we 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 live in a popularity contest. It seems like sometimes, especially Daniel Jones. Like I don't think Daniel yeah. Jones is going to be anything special. Yeah, like I was high on him in fantasy coming into the year, and then I realized I'm way too aggressive on him. I know he rushed for 400 yards, but like the way that that offensive line is, it's just not does not bode well for him. I've really bumped him down to quarterback 22, and it might even fall even more. Uh, and like you said about the Giants fans, yeah, they're rabid. Like earlier this year, I criticized uh, their pick of Kadarius Tony, who, by the way, has barely done anything in camp. Yep. Uh, and they just attacked me. Oh, uh, you know, what do you know? You, you never played football. You know, uh, don't don't doubt David Gettleman, blah, blah, blah. Tony's <laughs> elusive. Why would you draft a wide receiver when your offensive line's a joke and you just signed Kenny Galladay? You still have Sterling Shepard, who, by the way, I really am starting to like because he's he catches a lot of short to intermediate targets. They'll need to get the ball out quickly with that weak offensive line. So Shepard looks like a good late round pick, especially if you're in PPR in a deeper league. But back to the Giants, yeah, they they're starting to really look like one of the worst teams, you know. Also, like Jason Garrett's a joke at offensive coordinator. They didn't replace him. Just doesn't look for them. And speaking of that. One of my favorite week one picks is the Broncos. They're only favored, I believe, by two points against the Giants. And I really like that Broncos team. The Giants are going to have their hands full blocking that nasty pass rush, that nasty defense. So we'll see. I find it funny that people complain to you that all that you made uh, a statement about the Tony pick as if they didn't get a division rival to trade in front of them to take the player that they wanted. So then they traded down to take the position that they wanted and the next best player. I've seen what happens when teams do that because I've seen J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on my team. So yeah. when I see that, I think that's like a little cause for pause, don't you think? That That's a great point because I think you summed it up perfectly. You know, they wanted Devonta Smith and then they allowed, which was an egregious decision to even allow that to happen and allow the Eagles to move up ahead of them. And it looks like it's almost like, you know, you see it in your own draft. Someone just panics. The, the player they wanted at the position they wanted uh, gets hit, sniped, and they just take the next one on the list. Kadarius, Tony, even like, I'm pretty sure they took him over Rashad Bateman too, and Bateman's better than him. I, he was universally among uh, draft Knicks. A lot of them really preferred Bateman. Even they preferred Elijah Moore, who's showed a lot more in camp so i mean that tony pick was it doesn't look very good that's just the that's just the nfl you know well we never know until the actual game start how these players are going to get put in and we kind of just guess and we'll defend our players to the nth degree until they prove that you know they're just terrible yeah for sure for sure but we need a little bit more love in the fantasy community. We can't have all this this hate, this back and forth about nonsense. You know what I mean, Frank? Yeah, for sure. And we need uh, more, uh, you know, um, more more uh, in terms of debates and not getting sensitive. You know, it's just for fun. It's never personal. We just talk players. 
it's friendly debate. You know, you can't gain anything in any conversation if you're agreeing. You need other sides. You need to put all of the ingredients into the stew to make a proper proper take. And Frank, another great, great week. Hopefully, awesome. hopefully there's not too many injuries, but a lot more fun news to talk about as we're gearing up for this NFL season. Frank, are there any shout outs? Uh, we shouted out Jeff Howe of The Athletic, Patriots beat writer. He shouted out the legend Adam Schefter, who really, you know, when he says something, and like we said, it means a lot because he's plugged in as anyone. So the fact that he talked up Sony Michelle really opened my eyes. So shout out to him. Great episode. Season's around the corner. We're hyped. We're, we're right in the thick of draft season we're almost in time for our big home league draft and carlos and i are neck and neck and picks i go i pick 11 and he picks 12 so that's going to be very interesting yeah we're going to know each other's picks to the yeah to the like to the t we'll know exactly who each other's going to take so it's going to be fun to kind of maneuver through that too yeah for sure for sure can't wait yep all right frank see you next week all right take care and see everyone enjoy the preseason, the final week. The final week. See you guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Fantasy Jones podcast. Keep up with the Fantasy Jones on Twitter, Instagram, and our website, thefantasyjones.com.